Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Tuesday, December 12, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Rising with the Riverside temperatures peaking at a moderate 70.1 degrees and a low of 50.6 as we head into the night, here's what we have brewing for today's episode of Alex's News. The political climate is heating up as Republicans now demand significant alterations to border security measures in exchange for their support of President Biden's proposed assistance for Ukraine, a move that could see the aid package teetering on the edge of collapse. In energy turbulence, we pivot to the relentless pressure on oil companies. They are being pushed hard to ramp up their investments in green energy technologies, a critical realignment aimed to achieve ambitious climate goals and transform our energy landscape. Finally, we'll have an exclusive report on the internal rattles within the Air National Guard. In a blow to military conduct, 15 of its members faced disciplinary action following a breach that led to classified information being leaked on the chat platform Discord. Stay tuned as we unfold these stories in depth, right here on Alex's News. This morning, Our top story comes with a heavy dose of international policy and domestic division. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's visit to Capitol Hill comes at a critical time, with President Biden's substantial aid package for Ukraine teetering on the edge of collapse. To break it all down, we're joined by our reporter Ethan. Ethan, can you give us an overview of the current situation? Certainly, Grace. President Zelensky's visit is happening amidst a dire circumstance. President Biden's aid package worth $110 billion, designated not only for Ukraine but also for Israel and other national security concerns, is at risk. House Republicans are pressing for significant U.S.-Mexico border security changes, halting progress in what has become a political stalemate. You mentioned a stalemate. Why the urgency now for this aid package? The urgency stems from Ukraine's situation. As we know, They've been fending off the Russian invasion and are in desperate need for financial support. According to the Nashua Telegraph, the Biden administration is working overtime to move this supplemental funding bill through Congress before the year-end holidays, and Zelensky is there to give a final nudge to lawmakers to secure the necessary assistance. Now, let's delve into the specifics. Senate Republicans are making demands related to U.S. border security. Can you detail those demands? Absolutely, Grace. The Senate Republicans are pivoting attention to domestic issues, placing emphasis on U.S. border security. This comprises revised parole and asylum protocols, essentially reshaping the way migrants at the U.S. border are processed. Speaker Mike Johnson and House Republicans support these hardline conservative changes present in House Bill 2, H.R. 2, but Senate Democrats are not on board, leading to a deadlock in Congress. Ethan, what potential implications could this have if a compromise isn't reached on Biden's aid package? It's a troubling scenario, Grace. Without bipartisan agreement, a deal for continued U.S. assistance to Ukraine may not be reached by the year's end deadline. While Republicans largely back aiding Ukraine, figures like Senator Lindsey Graham are prioritizing domestic concerns, such as migration and border issues, over international aid. This seems quite complex, with talks ongoing. Could you outline what Senate Republicans propose in terms of border security changes? Their proposals are comprehensive, Grace. They include expedited deportation regimes bypassing asylum claims for illegal border crossings, curtailing Biden administration programs that have otherwise allowed lawful entry for many migrants, higher compensation for border patrol agents, 
amendments to asylum laws to fortify border security, more stringent standards for asylum claim entry, and a safe third country provision among others. With such hefty disagreement between the parties, how likely is it that they will find common ground? The divide is deep, and time is running out. Democrats and Republicans have significant differences in border policy, making a compromise difficult to envision. This impasse could lead to the collapse of not only the aid bill for Ukraine but also spark consequences in U.S.-Ukraine relations and broader national security strategy. It sounds like Capitol Hill has its work cut out in finding a resolution. Thank you for that thorough analysis, Ethan. We will certainly keep our viewers updated as this story develops. This was story one of three. Stay tuned for more. We turn now to a significant conversation in the world of energy. It looks like oil companies are still showing hesitation in going green. Chloe, you've been looking into this. Can you give us an overview of what's happening? Absolutely, Grace. What we're seeing is a financial tug of war. Oil companies have the capability to invest in clean energy, but the profits from oil and gas are still far more enticing. An NPR article highlighted that while the International Energy Agency is suggesting these companies shift half of their investments to green projects by 2030, they're currently contributing a paltry 2.5%. So there's quite a discrepancy in the investment numbers. Could you break down the economics of that for us? Why is there such a resistance? It comes down to the return on investment. Oil and gas can yield a whopping 20-50% return, which is massive compared to renewables, which tend to fall in the 5-10% range. And there's the nature of the businesses. Oil is high risk, high reward, while renewables present a lower risk but with lesser immediate financial benefits. Plus, oil has been around forever, it's got size and history, whereas the renewable sector is still fairly new. It sounds complicated. How can we then incentivize these oil giants to pivot towards more eco-friendly initiatives? There are several strategies, Grace. Government incentives like tax breaks and subsidies can make renewable projects more appealing. There's also the concept of power purchasing agreements, which provide reliable revenue streams. By purchasing power at predetermined prices, buyers like states and businesses can help make these projects more viable. And then there's the potential for cutting through red tape, which can make a big difference, too. With all this in mind, let's speculate a bit. If oil companies stick to their current investment practices, what consequences might they face? The risks are actually diverse and significant, Grace. Climate risks are the most apparent, the ongoing investment in fossil fuels only exacerbates climate change. Then there's the business side of things. Oil demand is projected to decline, so continuing down this path might lead to stranded assets and commodities, which are incredibly difficult to pivot away from. Plus, there's the volatility of oil prices, not to mention regulatory and legal changes that can catch companies off guard. And let's not overlook reputational risks, the market and the workforce are increasingly shifting toward greener preferences. It really seems like there's mounting pressure on all sides for the oil industry to evolve. What do you think they need to do to stay relevant and profitable in the long term? Diversification is key. If oil companies began to seriously invest in clean energy, they could align better with global climate goals while mitigating various economic and regulatory risks. It's not just about being environmentally responsible, it's about staying ahead in the game. And remember, green investments aren't just ethical choices anymore, they're strategic business decisions. Interesting insights, Chloe. The energy sector is certainly at a crossroads and it will be fascinating to see how it adapts to these challenges in the near future. Thank you for sharing your in-depth analysis with us.
Glad to be here, Grace. Thanks for having me. Good morning, everyone. Here are some other headlines we're following today. The mood on Capitol Hill is set to be somber as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky arrives, contrasting with his previous hero's welcome. There are mounting concerns over the potential collapse of U.S. aid for Ukraine amidst a backdrop of continuing conflict in the region. Turning to the Middle East, Israel has conducted strikes across Gaza, a maneuver that has notably deepened its isolation, along with that of the United States, in the arena of international relations and diplomacy. The long-term consequences of these strikes remain to be seen. In sports, Turkey is reeling from a recent event that has led to the dramatic suspension of all league games. This comes after a club president's violent altercation with a referee, an incident causing a widespread uproar within the nation's football establishment. Despite the significant challenges of the war in Ukraine, President Zelensky has expressed his worry that the continuing Israel-Hamas conflict could potentially shift the international community's focus, diverting attention and vital resources away from Ukraine. On the domestic front, a new generation of Ivy League university presidents testified in the House, which resulted in considerable backlash. This event has cast a spotlight on the direction and decisions of these historically prominent and influential institutions. In a lighter note among today's news, we have an uplifting story from the world of arts and culture. Broadway audiences are gradually becoming a little bit younger and more diverse. This positive trend suggests that the theater community is successfully engaging with a wider scope of generations and backgrounds, enriching the cultural landscape of Broadway and bringing new perspectives to the forefront of performing arts. It's a refreshing change that indicates progress towards inclusivity and greater cultural exchange. That's all for your quick news update. Stay with us for more detailed reports coming up later in the program. Turning to our third story of the day, we've just learned about a serious breach within the Air National Guard. Classified information was leaked on the online chat group Discord, leading to significant disciplinary actions. For deeper insight into this complex situation, we're joined by our specialist correspondent, Ethan. Ethan, can you bring us up to speed on the current situation? Absolutely, Grace. The Air National Guard is dealing with a substantial security lapse. Fifteen members have been disciplined after Airman First Class Jack Teixeira allegedly leaked hundreds of classified documents on Discord. Sources, including NPR and CNN Politics, have reported that the FBI arrested Teixeira back in April, and he's currently facing charges for the unlawful release of classified information. That sounds incredibly serious, Ethan. Can you share more details about Teixeira's role and the nature of the classified materials? Sure thing, Grace. Teixeira was working as a cyber apprentice and somehow accessed highly sensitive information. He didn't stop at just viewing these documents, he went as far as posting them online and bragging about his actions. This wasn't just a minor slip-up, it involved hundreds of classified documents that could potentially endanger national security. I can imagine the repercussions must be extensive. What kind of disciplinary actions have been taken by the Air National Guard? Well, the consequences have been far-reaching. Some of the 15 disciplined members were outright fired, while others faced administrative punishments. More notably, Colonel Sean Riley, who led the 102nd Intelligence Wing, was relieved of his command. These actions stem from an Air Force Inspector General's report that condemned officials in Teixeira's unit for their lack of response, stating that their inaction allowed the disclosures to continue unchecked.
With such a serious breach, are there suspicions or concerns about how Tashera managed to obtain high-level security clearances? That's a very relevant point. It turns out that Tashera's ability to gain such clearances despite past negative incidents has raised eyebrows. There's clearly a flaw in the vetting process, and it's something that Air Force officials are now scrabbling to understand and address to prevent future incidents. Could there be larger implications or additional fallout from this incident? Most definitely. While disciplinary actions have been taken, the Air National Guard's 102nd Wing plays a critical role in global intelligence. Its support for agencies like the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency can't be understated. So, this incident not only affects the individuals involved but could potentially impact intelligence operations worldwide. There's anticipated to be a congressional briefing to examine the scope and impact of the breach thoroughly. With all of this coming to light, what measures are being taken to prevent such a severe breach from happening again? The Air Force is implementing various reforms, including stricter enforcement of need-to-know regulations and enhancing security training. They're focusing on improving supervision, particularly during vulnerable periods like night shifts, and clarifying policies on reporting security incidents. It truly is a multifaceted problem that requires a comprehensive response. Ethan, thank you for your in-depth analysis and for keeping us informed about this significant security breach within the Air National Guard. My pleasure, Grace. It's critical we keep an eye on developments as the Air National Guard and other agencies tighten their security to prevent similar situations in the future. Absolutely. We'll certainly follow up on this story as more information becomes available. Thank you again, Ethan, for joining us today. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.